Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor, and we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's Word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so glad to see you here uh, with us this morning. And uh, anyhow, today is, uh, is, is a special day. We've been um, in this series called uh, Hello, My Name Is. And we've been talking about the different labels that we sometimes put on ourselves. Uh, Hello, my name is, you know, loser or inadequate or unworthy or unloved. And, and we've been looking instead at, at how God identifies us, the, the labels that God puts on us. And, um, and so actually, uh, today, I'm actually not going to be uh, speaking, uh, which I, I'm actually excited about because I get to sit and, and listen. Um, and, uh, and today, actually, uh, Ramey Ferreira is going to be, uh, be preaching for us today. And, and let, let me just say a little bit about Ramey. Ramey and I, we've known each other for, uh, for a long time. They were in a small group of ours probably, what, like 10 years ago or something like that. And, and, uh, and it's funny how many people have come to me over the years and said, like, oh, you know, I, I, I knew Ramey. He used to lead my youth ministry or our kids' ministry or our Royal Rangers, and, and, and he's been influential in so many people's lives, and I think he's got a lot to say. He's been saying a lot to the kids over the last year and a half, but, uh, but I've wanted him to, to come and share, and, and I look up to, to Ramey a lot. However, I kind of got to crouch down in order to do so. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but but, but, but I love Ramey. He's a great guy. So, uh, so let's hear what he has to share. And why don't you help me and give him a great big warm welcome. Well, good morning. Good morning. Wow, what a place. This is the uh, first time that I've actually been in the sanctuary uh, for a live service. And uh, I was hoping I'd be sitting there for one of them before... <laughs> being up here, but uh, praise God. Um, what a great work the Lord has started here uh, at Thrive. I mean, if, if you could have seen this place uh, before when we had first come, uh, Judy had asked me to come when we had first started looking at the building, and it's amazing the work that the Lord has begun here and is going to continue to do. Um, so praise God for that, and um, well, I just want to Say welcome again, and uh, I think Judah let in pretty well. Uh, stole my thunder a little bit with my intro. With uh, I was gonna, I was gonna go into a little bit about the the series. This is the fourth in the series of "Hello, My Name Is," and we're gonna be looking at today something that's near and dear to my heart. As number one, as a father; number two, as a worker with the youth in this church, and throughout the years, I felt a calling in my life to reach out to the, to the kids, probably because of my childhood um, with a father who was there part of the time, and I didn't really have a great relationship with my dad. So I've always had a burden for the kids um, and felt that there was a need to let them know how much God loves them. So today we're going to be looking at, hello, my name is heir of Almighty God. Okay, and you might say air. Well, I don't have any air, do I? But maybe some on my eyebrows. I, sh I, I cut those for you today. But um, uh, now we're not looking at hair. We're looking at airs, which just to give you a little brief uh, insight into if you don't know what an air is, and um, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but um, an air 
in legal terms or in, in the legal sense would be someone who, when there's a will made out, who would be someone who would inherit something from the person who died. Whether it be real property, whether it be a title, as in the King of England or the Queen of England. Um, so we're going to be looking at today how we are all heirs of Almighty God. And you might say to myself, yourself, oh, Ramey, how am I an heir to God? I mean, I have a father, I have a mother, and how am I born into that family, and how is he my father that I would be an heir of his? Well, let's take a look at that. Um, if you're taking notes, okay, as I'm going through, and I just want to put a little disclaimer here. Um, if you're taking notes, you might see a few scriptures today that aren't on the note sheet. Um, that I added in um, since the notes were printed this morning. Um, so uh, those are free, free of charge, director. No, so uh, feel free to indulge in those. Okay. Um, so we're going to be looking at, um, you know, how in our day-to-day -day life, uh, we're called many things by many different people at work, at home, maybe at the gym, um, at school, by our friends. Um, we're called many different things. Also, we call ourselves different things, or we think certain things about ourselves, true or untrue. Sometimes we begin to believe these certain things based on what others say, or by, or by what we think, or how we were treated. But yet, they, most of them, some could be true, but most of them probably aren't. So we're going to look at today what God calls us and says about us. Now, this may require you to change the way you presently look at things. It might turn your world totally upside down in a good way. I mean, there was, there's a thing called a paradigm shift, if any of you have ever heard of it. What a paradigm shift, I believe it's in psychology, what it means is, is that things that you presently believe are totally turned upside down and now your whole belief system is turned around and it takes some some change in your life to adjust to that. So be ready for a paradigm shift today on who you are in God. All right, and before we go to the Word, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray as we look into your Word today, Lord, that you would just make it so real to each and every one that's within the hearing of my voice, Lord. Lord, that you would let me speak the words that you want me to speak, Lord, that your Word would just be imparted into each and every one's heart, Lord, as you would see fit to one, to what they need today, Lord. Hearts, that hearts would be comforted, that people's lives would be healed, and that families would be reunited through this, Lord, and that many would be brought into your kingdom, Lord, not through what I say, Lord, but through the unction of your Holy Ghost and the touching of your precious heart, of your hand on our hearts, Lord. And I just ask it in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's look at the first verse. First John 3, 1 through 3. And I'm, I'm reading out of the, uh, the New Living Translation. And here's what it says. It says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And this is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will themselves 
will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. We can't even imagine what we will be when we're in the presence of God and when the things that, you know, the Bible has said the eye has not seen and ear has not heard the great things that God has in store for us. So if you're taking notes, um, you'll see there's little fill in the blanks. Just take notes here on, we can't even imagine what God has in store for us in this world. As soon as we can grasp that concept and the reality of, the tr of this truth, the sooner we'll start to feel and act like the special person that God has created us to be. I was watching one of uh, Pastor Judah's previous lessons. Um, I believe it was on masterpieces. You are a masterpiece. And there was something in that message that kind of stuck out on me because it was something that when I first came to the Lord, I kind of liked too. And uh, it was, it was, he was saying as a little child when he was about five or six years old that there was a line that he can remember either on a poster or I, I don't exactly remember where he said he saw it. But it went like this. It said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. And that to me is, that hits it right on the head. We beat ourselves up each and every day and say, I'm not good enough. I'm too short. I'm not pretty enough. I don't have the perfect body type that everyone's telling me I should have. But you know what? In God's eyes, you are the you that God has called you to be. And we need to grab onto that. And that will change our whole world. You are an heir of Almighty God. Now, I know many times we don't act like that. But I want to tell you a story about um, a 55-year-old woman that I don't know personally, but one of, I worked for Coca-Cola as a merchandising manager. And uh, one of my other managers at Coca-Cola uh, was in a store, and he knew this woman. She's, I believe she was about 55, 56 years old, and she was working part-time at Stop and Shop as a bagger. And uh, like many people, every, I don't know if it's Friday or Wednesday um, or whatever, she would go and she would play her numbers or buy her ticket, you know, for the lottery. And she'd buy it, and she'd put it in, and just like everybody else, wouldn't win, you know. So they would pile up in her pocketbook, pile up in her pocketbook. Well, last week, and this is, this is a real story, so last week, she happened to be on lunch break, and she went into her pocketbook, and she found an envelope that had a few lottery tickets that she had bought. And she says, oh, you know, on my lunch break, let me go check these out. So her lunch break came, and she went over to the courtesy booth, and she told her friend, hey, can you run these for me? And they're running them, running them. They get to the second to the last one, and they run it. And a message comes up, and it says, contact the lottery headquarters. And the woman says, oh, well, I wonder what's wrong. Is there something wrong with this ticket? Or what? And the woman behind the counter says, I don't know. It could be a winner. I don't know. But you probably want to make a call. So she didn't call. She drove up there. She went up there, and uh, the, when she got to the lottery headquarters, they brought her in, and they, they checked out the ticket. And then they, gave the, they called over another manager and they gave the ticket to her. And she took the ticket, put it into the computer screen, and turned it to the woman. And it said, six for six, perfect match. She was a winner of $1.5 million that was sitting in the bottom of her pocketbook for almost six months. She was a millionaire for the last six months and didn't even know it. 
She wasn't acting like she was a millionaire. She was getting up in the morning, going to work, working that part-time job, bagging groceries, probably not too happy with it. You know, going home, I don't know if she had children or not, but probably making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the morning, getting them off to school and saying, I got to go to work. But even before she dug it out of the bottom of her pocketbook, from that day when those numbers were, were, were picked, she was a millionaire. She was, she would, was already an heir, quote unquote, to $1.5 million. And she didn't even know it. How much like is that like us as Christians? We have a heavenly father who has more riches than Bill Gates, than Mark Zuckerberg, than um, Donald Trump. Go Trump, sorry. Um, um, all of them put together. Our heavenly father owns the cattle on a thousand hill. So how should that make us feel or act? If we are heirs to that fortune, heirs to, to all of the things that God has in his will. And if you have your Bible, I have a, I'm not te too tech savvy, but today I kind of stretched myself a little bit. But um, I have my Bible open here. But um, in our Bible, from Genesis to Revelations, we hold riches that are far out amass anything that Fort Knox has. So just a little, a little reality check to tell you with that little story about that woman that we are children of the Most High God who have been richly blessed even if we don't act like it. But if you want to be blessed, if you want to be joyful, if you want to be happy, if you want to have love, if you want to have peace, if you want to have patience, if you want to have contentment in your lives, you can have it, it's there. Just dig into the bottom of your pocketbook and take it out. Okay. So let's look at, we're going to look at the next scripture that I have here. Romans 8, 14 through 17. It says, for all who are led of the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So when you were saved, when you were brought into the family, when you accepted Jesus Christ, you didn't, you didn't receive a spirit of fear. You received God's own spirit. Let's read on. <clears throat> now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we're his heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Now, there's a little caveat here too. But if we're to share in his glory, we must also share his sufferings. I think every Christian who's walked with the Lord for any amount of time would say that, you know, when you proclaim that you're a Christian, things come against you. You do go through some persecution you do get some ridicule. You do get treated a little bit different. But we're to praise God for that because that is living proof that we are a child of God. But look at all the other things that we get. We are heirs of God's glory. Now, in verse 14, it says that we that follow Christ are children of God. 
You know, but many times we don't act like it. We're kind of like, hey, God, I know you saved me, but, you know, I don't want to bother you. You know, we're, we're afraid to go to our Heavenly Father and claim what he says is ours. Because we listen to these voices telling us the contrary to what God says in his word. When he says that we are precious, that we are loved, that we are his own. But then some little voice or familiar spirit might tell us, you're a failure. See what you did last night when nobody was looking? God saw you. You should be ashamed of yourself. How can you call yourself a child of God after you did that? But that's not from God. Or if we fear, well, how am I going to tell my friends about it? Or when I go back to college, how am I going to live the Christian life? Fear did not come from God. You didn't receive the spirit of fear when you accepted Christ. In 1 John 4.18, it says, such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. You know, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, when I was, I dabbled a little bit in artwork, and I like to be creative in things. And I, back some years ago, I, I had remembered I was making we were making pins for something, I don't know. And I remember I made a pin that said, you know, like the, the orange sun-kissed? Well, I made one that said sun-kissed, you know, and I said taste, and on the bottom it said, had taste and see that the Lord is good, S-O-N, kissed. So um, <clears throat> we need to just remember that all of those accusations are not from God the Father. God is looking for that father-son-daughter relationship with each and every one of us. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to hear the good things and the bad things and the little things and the things that seem so insignificant to us. You know, I have four children of my own, and uh, I have two grandchildren, and it's amazing how through my grandchildren... They transport me back to my own children and I remember and appreciate the times and the things that we did together. And, you know, the scripture says that if we love our kids, how much so more our Heavenly Father, with us being just fleshly and earthly and sinful, how much more does He want to do good for us? So that close, intimate relationship that he wants, he wants it not hindered by fears or doubts. Verse 15, let's read it again. He says, so, so you've not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. All right, now all you 80s babies out there or people who grew up in the 80s, anybody tell me what ABBA is? And it's not a rock group from the 1980s, okay? So if you're taking notes, 
The term Abba is a Aramaic term, okay, that shows closeness and tenderness and a intimate relationship. It's like calling, it's like when we call our father's daddy or poppy or pop or something like that. It shows that we're not, it's not a formal relationship. God doesn't want us to be, oh, thou wonderful heavenly father. My kids, if they came to me like that, I'd be making a phone call to 911, I think. But, you know, my kids say, hey, dad, how about 20 bucks? Or, hey, how about your car? Or, hey, dad, what are you doing with this? And just like our father, just like me, our heavenly father wants us to talk to him the same way. You know, my kids don't have to make an appointment to talk with me. I don't, they don't have to meet me in my special G.I. Joe room that I have in my room and kneel down in front of the, in front of the uh, break front with all of my 1964 to 67 G.I. Joes. Um, you know, they don't have to meet me in any special place. They can talk to me out in the... They can talk to me in, uh, out in the front yard. They can talk to me in the backyard. They can talk to me when I'm in the attic. They can talk to me. They can knock on the door if I'm in the bathroom and say, Hey, Dad, i got to talk to you. We can talk to our Heavenly Father anywhere. And it doesn't have to be on our knees. Many times, He just wants that relationship. He just wants that constant talk back and forth day to day. Not, oh, wait a minute, it's uh, 3.01, time to pray. He wants us to say, hey, Dad, you know what? Uh, looks like there's going to be a little trouble ahead. You want to make a way for me and make it wide? And he will because you've asked. And he wants to give us what we desire. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You know, there was something that yesterday, um, <laughs> Judah's probably saying, wow, oh, Ramey, this isn't the, this isn't the, what you were going to talk about yesterday. This isn't the way it was going. Well, see, yesterday morning, Judah and I had a little talk and he shared a little bit with me about certain things and about relationships with his father. And I hope you don't mind me sharing this story, but, um, you know, I believe Pastor Judas shared this story in the past in, in different sermons from time to time, where he's talked about, if, if I'm sure all of you know, or if you don't know, uh, Judah's dad is, um, is Pastor Ron up at uh, Faith Living Church in Plantsville. And uh, Judah was telling me the story yesterday, and he, and he said that when he was younger, and his dad was... Um, preparing for a sermon or in his study, studying and spending some time with God, <clears throat> excuse me, that there was a rule, or I guess you could call it a non-rule, um, between Judah and his dad was that at any time, Judah could just burst into his study and come in and say, hey, dad, how you doing? And talk with his dad, that he didn't need to make an appointment. He didn't need to knock. He didn't have to wait because the door was closed, and he didn't need to be quiet. He could be his father's little boy. 
His dad may not have some time to go play ball or whatever with him, but he could come in, give him a hug, and ask him a question or do whatever he wanted. He had an open-door policy with his dad. That's the exact same policy that our heavenly dad has with us. You know, um, <clears throat> on a flip side note of that, is, is I just want to share a little bit about my father. Now, my father, <clears throat> when I grew up, uh, my dad and mom uh, divorced when I was about 9, 10 years old. Um, back in the mid-70s, which back then was something that, you know, you kind of kept that quiet because it wasn't as accepted as it is today. So, but even when my dad was there, I, didn't, I never really had a great relationship with my father. My father, I was the, the fifth of five, of, of five children, the youngest, the baby, and from the span between my oldest sister and me was 13 years. <clears throat> so my father was a little bit older and he was a little bit removed from me. And I'd never really spent that much time with my dad. And many times he'd be doing things and working on things. And my mom would say, don't bother your dad. He's, he's busy. You know, he might get upset or whatever. I always yearned for a relationship with my father. Well, my father passed away a few years ago and... Um, while my dad was alive, he wore this ring, and it's, a, it's like a signet ring, okay? And he wore this on his, on his hand, and um, I, I loved it, you know? And when, when, he, when he passed, I asked that I could have this ring. And he would always tell us a story about his grandfather who had a signet ring. Now, whenever my father would be walking down the street and he came to where his grandfather was, his grandfather would hold out his hand and my father would have to go, no matter what he was doing, he was playing ball with his buddies, um, hanging out with a girlfriend or whatever, my, fa my father would have to go over and kiss his ring. Right? Pretty crazy? So needless to say, I don't think there was an open door policy there. So to give you, just to give you a, an idea of what God doesn't want, and what God is like. God is not a brooding God with a bat ready to beat us over our heads or expecting us to march in lockstep and do, go through certain rituals and perform certain steps just to get his attention. God is a loving father who cares for his children and wants to provide for us each and every day. <clears throat> Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a, a, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God loves us so much, and his love casts out all fear. God has given everything to Jesus' son, and through Jesus, and association through Jesus, through our salvation, he's given it to us also as well. We are joint heirs with Christ. Hebrews 1, 2 says, And now in these final days, 
He's spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to his son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Now, I'm sure all of us are pretty familiar with um, the Jewish custom of the firstborn or of the eldest son. And if you're not, I'll just tell you a little bit about it. Now, in, in Jewish customs, um, the oldest boy or the oldest son was the one who got the largest share of the inheritance um, of, of the father's, of, of the father's um, holdings. Now, it was a little bit different in Roman custom. And remember now, Paul was a Roman citizen, okay? And he wrote the Book of Romans, and um, he spent a lot, of, a lot of time there. Um, a lot of time in chains, too. But the Roman custom was a custom where it was joint heirship. There was, in the law, there was a way that the inheritance could be dispersed throughout all, all the children that were heirs of the father. So, as in that custom, we are joint heirs with Christ. Um, as Christians and followers of Christ, we can ask of the Father what we want and need, and he'll grant it to us through Jesus. John 16, 23 says, and now this is, Jesus is speaking, I'll give you a little backstory on this because it's only one verse pulled out of it. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's, they're a little sorrowful because he's telling them, I'm going to be taken off, I'm going to be going away, you know, and I'm going away, to a, to, to a place. And they're saying, oh, you know, I don't, I don't understand. Where are you going? This and that. And um, Jesus says to them in 1623, he says, at that time, speaking about after he goes to the Father, and um, he says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. See, at one time, we were separated from God. We were alien from God. We weren't his children. But by accepting Christ as our Savior and coming into the family of God, we are adopted in and become joint heirs with Christ. James 4.2 says, Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. All, you want only what will excuse me, you want only what will give you pleasure. Now you see, many times people would say, well, well God will give you, you know, like I said before this, I said, God will give you what you desire or what your desires are. Now, you know, there is a there is a, a little clause to that also. Now, he will give you what you desire as long as your desires are according to his will. And in James 4.2, to just go back to what I just read, the reasons why you may not receive it are for these reasons here. Maybe one, you don't ask. So what should we do? We should ask God, right? If you need, if you need sneakers or you need something for, from, your, from your mom and dad, what do you do? You ask. You say, hey, I need this for school or I need, I need a car, dad. I'm 16, you know. Um, you go and you ask your father for that. So in James, it says that you don't receive because you don't ask. 
And then he goes on, well, another reason why you may not receive is because your motives are wrong. You know, the, the King James says because you ask amiss and you want to just bring it to yourselves. You just want to make your, you know, after your own motives, you want things. In Luke 12, 31, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. And in 32, he continues and says, So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. The kingdom. I mean, wow. He's not just going to give you, you know, a pair of sneakers or, or whatever. He'll give you the kingdom. God loves you and wants that father relationship with you. Now, you might say, well, how do I get that relationship, Ramey, with the Heavenly Father? How do I get back into that right relationship, or how do I begin a relationship with Him? Because you might be saying to yourself, you know what, Ramey? God won't forgive me for whatever. Or God won't bless me or can't bless me because of this. Or God can't use me because of my past. But God says and acts differently. We have an example in the story of the prodigal son that, you know, as I was, as I was reading over my notes, and, you know, my kids will tell you that uh, I'm not as tough as I as I seem, you know, I'm not a, I know I look like I'm, you know, pretty big guy, but, um, you know, I uh, get a little verklempt over things that have to do with my, my family, my wife, my children. So as I was reading this, and I, as I was um, going through the story again, which is probably one of my favorite sections of scripture, the story of the prodigal son, I uh, had to gather myself up a, a couple times, but um, I just want to read uh, the actions of the father of the prodigal. Now, remember, just to give you a little brief overview of what the prodigal was. The word prodigal means to go and to be crazy, wild, spending, whether it be for frivolously on this or that, and wasting away, you know, the money that you have you know, unwisely. So the prodigal son, I'm sure you all know, was, was the youngest of, of the sons of this, of this man. And he said, hey, dad, give me my inheritance now. You know, I'm tired of hanging around this place. I want to go to the big city. I want to have fun. I want to go and, you know, see the sights. Have a good time. I'm in this one-horse town. There's nothing going on. You know, they roll up the streets at 6 o'clock. So the father gave him his, uh, his inheritance. And he went away, and we know what happened. He came to ruin. He went, with, uh, went and spent it on wine, women, and dancing, and whatever he had to do. And he ended up in a, in a pig's trough. And he said, man, what the heck happened? And then he came to his senses, and he said, you know what? The servants of my daddy better than this. They live better than this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to my dad's house, and surely he'll take me on as a hired hand. I don't expect him to put me back as a son because, hey, I spent my inheritance. You know, I'm, I, I'm already out of it. There's nothing left for me. So maybe he'll take me back. 
as a hired hand, as a servant. I know he's got a lot that work for him. But during this time, and I'm sure many of you dads can relate with this, when any of your children have gone places that they shouldn't go or doing things that they shouldn't do, or even just places away from you that you don't see what's going on. You've had many sleepless nights and very uh, worrisome weeks and times when you've thought about that child. Um, well, let's read Luke 15, 20. He says, So he returned home to his father, the prodigal son. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. So now let's stop there. His father saw him coming when he was still a long way off, which meant his father, what was he doing? He was looking for him, right? I mean, he wasn't out mowing the field. He wasn't doing his books inside. He wasn't watching uh, the newest uh, show on TV with the clicker or watching Monday Night Football or anything like that. He was looking. And the way that I see it, he probably had, if he had a telescope or he had binoculars or whatever, he'd be on the highest mountain or in the top of the tree or on the top of his house, and he would be looking towards where his son would be coming from if he came home. And he'd be praying to God, Lord, keep my son safe. Bring him home to me. So he says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Our Heavenly Father loves us so much that no matter where we might be in our walk, we might have accepted the Lord 30 years ago or three days ago. Our Heavenly Father wants a relationship with us. And if we're not where we should be and we're not doing what we should be doing, our Heavenly Father is looking for us. He's not looking for us with a baseball bat to whack us when he sees us. He's looking for us, waiting for us, yearning for that relationship for you to come back into the relationship that he wants for you. You know, my house is the gathering point for my family. After my mom died, who was kind of like the, the glue that held our family together, um, and my wife and I, uh, when we bought our, our house where we are and built our house where we are now, um, it's kind of become the, the command central for Ferrera slash Cantonis. Um, it's where we all get together for um, holidays and for birthday parties and for just Sunday spaghetti pasta dinners, right, Says. So Oh, and just a little side note, uh, my wife and I, 33 years last week. So, as a father, there is nothing better than to have all my children at home enjoying each other, spending time together. That is probably, as a father, the most content that I, that I am and when my family's together with my wife and children.
And I think during those times, I think that that's probably how our Heavenly Father feels. Well, I know that's how he feels when we're together like this. When his sons and daughters come together in one accord to lift his son Jesus Christ on high and to just glorify him. So what do we do? You know, it's time for us to all take our rightful place, to act like the sons and daughters that we truly are, to put our claim to our heirship, if that is a word, in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, another conversation that I had with Judah, we've been having a lot of conversations lately. You know, we were, as we were going through uh, the message for today, he said to me, he said, well, he said, think about if you're at a party, and you're at a party, like one of these ritzy parties, and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of people there, heads of state, uh, movie stars, whoever, are there. Think of how they carry themselves. And then the heir to the throne, whether it be England or whatever country has a king or queen right now, comes in. How do they carry themselves? Well, they come in like they own the place, right? They carry their head up high, their shoulders back, and they walk around like, yeah, I got it together, right? I'm, a, I'm the next one going to be up there. I'm the king's kid. That's what we all are, guys. We need to... Start acting, not so much as being pretentious about it, but we need to remember and hold our heads up high and say, I am special. I am a child of the king. Romans 10, 8 uh, through 10 says, in fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, if you're a little like that prodigal son, you're a little bit away from the table of your, your heavenly father, or maybe you haven't ever accepted Christ as your Savior. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to say, hey, I want to be part of the family of God. So let's all bow our heads. And if you've already accepted the Lord as your Savior and you would just like that closer, more intimate, fatherly relationship with Him, I want you to just pray after me. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, join along also because you too can be part of the family of God and set free from the bondage of this world and sin. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for your fatherly love, for you loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in place. Father, reveal your son, Jesus, to me. Come into my heart. Make, let me make you Lord of my life. And help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you did say that prayer, praise God. Now, Romans 8.1 says, So now there is no condemnation condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, be free in the Lord and the liberty that comes with being a child of God. Walk tall. Look people in the eye. Smile. And let people know that Jesus loves them. Because truly, you are a child of the King. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.